This episode of Smashing Security is supported in part by Recorded Future. Recorded Future is the real-time threat intelligence company whose patented machine learning technology continuously analyzes technical, open, and dark web sources to give organizations unmatched insight into emerging threats. Sign up for free daily threat intelligence updates at recordedfuture.com slash intel. And thanks to Recorded Future for supporting the show. Smashing Security, Episode 37, Boobs, Dragons, and Data Breaches, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Smashing Security for the 10th of August 2017. My name is Graham Cluley, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy and co-host, Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol, how are you? Carol? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like to be a little bit exotic when I'm chatting to you. How are you doing? I'm okay, I'm a bit miserable today. It's gross weather here in Oxford. Oh, it's yeah. just ridiculously grey and cold, and it should be August and sunshiny and barbecue weather, and it's definitely not that. Well, it is true that the week and a half of summer in England went past us long, long ago, and now it's just rain, rain, rain. But let's have a little sunshine in our lives, because we have a very special guest, don't we? We have a great special guest, oh. who is Mr. John Hawes from anti-malware testing standards organization AMSO. Hello, it's lovely to be here. You're not new to this podcast. I think you've been on a few times before, have you not? I have done a few, yes. He's made it through a few. Um, so uh, has anyone been doing anything fun in the last week since we were last on? <laughs> Reading the news with trepidation. Obviously, there's the, there's the news of the imminent thermonuclear war, which is about to break out between oh. North Korea and America, which is slightly concerning. Let, let's hope we manage to get the podcast out before that begins. Um, and uh, then there's the story of Marcus Hutchins, a.k.a. Malware Tech, who was arrested in Las Vegas, of course. Yes. People will remember that he was the, quote, accidental hero who found the kill switch, as it were, in the WannaCry ransomware, which was... Uh, ravaging the National Health Service in the UK and organisations yeah. elsewhere. There doesn't seem to be a lot of information out on it so far. No, but he's been arrested and charged in connection with a, a, a banking malware called Kronos. And mm -hmm. um, that case continues. Uh, it means he didn't get back from Las Vegas, where he was attending the Black Hat and DEF CON conferences. But mm. uh, there's been a lot of outcry from the security community and people have been raising money to aid in his defence. Um, but we, we wait to see what's going to come out of that. I think he's uh, next to in court next Monday. So uh, mm -hmm. we'll see. Have you made your mind up yet? Have you got any oh, views? I think it's impossible to say, isn't it? I mean, we're, we, it's, this is either a case of the FBI making the most enormous cock up, pointing the finger at the wrong person, or someone who was considered very much a hero turned out to be a bad guy after all. I, I think either way, it's going to be a shock. Yep, it's a popcorn. Get the popcorn moment, isn't it? It's a, it's a poor choice of nickname. If you're going to go around writing malware, you don't want to go calling yourself malware tech. It's kind of like being a being a burglar and everyone calling you burglar Jim. Well, look, um, the other things which have been going on over last week, the things which have been sort of uh, attracting our interest in the world of computer security, that's what we're here to discuss today. And one of the stories which I've been following, and it's been developing over the last few days, is the HBO hack. Um Mm, that was a few weeks. That was a week ago well, or something. Been, it's, yeah, it's been it's been 
sort of gathering momentum um, because uh, imagine the scene right you know it, it'd be fantastic wouldn't it be to be famous it'd be fantastic to be paid a small fortune i disagree completely i think being famous would be the worst thing on earth well, that's why i do this show it depends crow you could either work in some sort of chicken farming factory or something or you could be an actress out there on some exotic beach <laughs> not even having to learn your lines because all you have to do is go scan around scan speaking in some ancient dragon dialect because you're on game of thrones how fantastic would that be <laughs> is that the only two options be, be on game of thrones or chicken farming <laughs> Those are potentially the open positions. Millions of people being glued to your antics every week on television. But like you said, Kroll, there are some drawbacks, aren't there? There are some drawbacks. Mm -hmm. And in particular, for the cast of Game of Thrones, there's a drawback right now because HBO got hacked and the bad guys got into the email account of HBO's VP for film program, a guy called Leslie Cohen. And they stole his email archive and allegedly they stole 1.5 terabytes Oh, my god! Yeah, try getting that on a USB stick. I didn't, yeah. Um, <laughs> of content, including, of course, the latest episodes of Game of Thrones, including ones which hadn't been broadcast yet, and they released them onto the internet like, like, late last week, prior to transmission. And uh, Do you know, not even five years ago, that would have just taken forever to download, wouldn't it? It's take quite a while now. Yeah, it would, it would take a, a, a fair while. But I imagine just for one episode, maybe not so long if you're on Fiverr or something like that. But um, I, I don't actually watch Game of Thrones. Anymore. I watched the first series. Do you guys watch it at all? Yes. I've watched. Yeah, I've watched. Um, it's a bit rude. <laughs> it is a bit pervy, isn't it? It is a I bit boobs and dragons. Yeah, I find that I, I I wish there'd be less of that. I just find that's a bit too much. But I do mm. kind of like the story, the mm. you know the backstory. I kind of like that. I think HBO has always been a little bit saucier than some of the other channels, hasn't it? In America, it's not being against sauciness. It's just that type of sauciness. Yeah. All right, okay. The boobs and dragons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say tits and dragons? <laughs> I, oh, right. I said boobs. Yes, You're the one who said. <clears throat> yes. So anyway, so the hackers stole this and they released the, the, the actual footage or, you know, the episode onto the Internet. And then they sent a video ransom message to HBO CEO demanding something in the region of between six and seven million US dollars worth of bitcoins. Jeez, greedy, greedy. Isn't it? Well, let's take a look at their video ransom message right now because it was uh, published up on the Mashable website and you can go and enjoy it there. Let's take a look at it. Okay. Ooh, it's like a, it's like a, it's, you know, it's, so it's like a letter just scrolling, like Star Wars, giving yeah. you the, uh, giving the yeah, intro to the first Star Wars So we've seen some white text on a black background. There's an awful lot of text yeah. here, isn't there? It's <laughs> yes, it's, 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 very it's like long. a legal letter. It is like the terms and conditions. Frankly, yeah. I think they should. The, the hackers should have themselves gone to film school. Oh, it does say we confess that HBO was one of our difficult targets to deal with, but we succeeded. It took about six months. And this is rather portentous music as well, isn't there? Now I don't know if that's something which Mashable added or whether they, the hackers added that themselves or. I doubt it. This is pretty. Looks pretty low tech. It's not great, is it? Who, who is who is Richard Plepler? Ple Plepler. Uh, he is the CEO of HBO, 
um, and so that the message is being specifically sent to him. And it's saying things like, leakage will be your worst nightmare. Your competitors will know about your current and future strategies. Your inner circle inside HBO and senior staff will be thrown into chaos. <laughs> There'll be downfall in the stocks. As you're in the business from decades, you yourselves will be full aware, I'm sorry about the poor grammar, of catastrophic consequences. So make a wise decision, they say. Do you do you think people could some some expert could tell from the the grammar where this person came from? Because it seems to be very specific patterns of strange I, usage. I was wondering that as well. Certainly, there'd be sort of circumstantial, you know, maybe links which could be made. They're not very good at putting in commas, and they're not. They, they are making some grammatical mistakes, and so there might be some clues there. I don't know if it'd be enough to identify them unless we've already identified the hacker and then say, well, there's a good chance you did write this. Um, but they've got this just, message. Just at- FYI for our listeners, it's still scrolling. Yeah, oh yeah. It, like, this is how long the letter is. It goes on and on. And it's not in huge print, is it? I mean, it, it's... It, no. Oh, well, did you find it exhausting? Well, <laughs> it was too long for me. <laughs> if you make it to the end, you'll finally get this message and it says, here are two mottos. Which one is remembered? Winter is coming. HBO is falling. Or... Winter is coming, HBO is standing and everlasting. So basically they pay up and they can continue standing, is what they're saying. Yeah, but you know, they've leaked so much information now. And the latest thing which they've leaked is a document containing the email addresses of some Game of Thrones stars, including the um, that little guy, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> that little guy? Well, he is a little guy. And uh, the blonde woman, Amelia Clark, who is... Um, I've written this down. Daenerys Targ... Tar- how do you say this? Targaryen. The blonde dragon hottie. So now you've got mm. not only their mm-hmm. email address, but you've also got their personal phone numbers, which have been passed up there. So you can call your celebrity crush if you want to. And you can imagine what Game of Thrones fans are like. They're going, <laughs> yes, I'd like to call her. I just saw the words, I just saw the words FBI fat ass agent scroll yeah. by. <laughs> Jeez. It's still scrolling. Still, still scrolling. scrolling. Well, German IT consultant Markus Uberal uh, tweeted saying, seriously, who cares? Shall I do it in a German accent? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. At least you told them what it was going to be. <laughs> Go ahead. Who cares about these stars? <laughs> Give us the names, addresses, phone numbers of their body doubles. Which is what? a fair enough point, isn't it? I suppose if you're going to perv over these people, you might as well perv over the right bodies. Well, if, if you're just going to phone them up, that's not really going to help, is it? Yeah, but it's maybe to start a relationship, John. You send them a message, you know, you pretend to be the CEO of HBO, dropping them a line from your personal email account, saying, would you like to appear in the next series? I hear you look like Peter Dinky. Do you want to come (laughs) around for tea? (laughs) Peter Dinky? (laughs) Now, the problem is, the problem is here, right, is that you, if you're a star, you're not the only one who's responsible for guarding your privacy. You're also putting your trust in other people and organisations to keep your personal details out of the public gaze but they need to lock down their security and it's interesting that this hbo senior exec email was accessed because i certainly know that the stars of game of thrones have in the past been told to lock down their accounts with two-step verification yeah to make it more difficult to people to hack inside so i wonder whether those hbo execs were actually doing what they were getting their stars to do maybe they weren't it seems to happen a lot to uh you mentioned Sony, the TV, TV and movie people. Is that just because they're of particular interest to the kind of people that like to go around hacking people? Or Well, we also saw the release of episodes of Orange is the New Black, where the hackers had got in mm-hmm. as well. And I think there is a bit of a trend for this at the moment. And I, I think 
that some criminals are thinking here is an opportunity maybe to make some money by stealing this digital content. It may not even be directly from the studio, it may be from partner companies. The other thing is it gets a lot of eyeballs quickly, mm. right? If you're talking Game of Thrones, they did say it took six months, but that is something that you would just work at and work Maybe. at to get that information be it if you were, if you were you know, trying to yeah. leak it. Because it's such big news. Everyone's covering it. I suspect that there's still more to come out. You know, if they really have stolen 1.5 terabytes of data, there may be more information out there and it may there may be further embarrassments for HBO, but I'm not sure if HBO will are likely to pay any ransom. The thing that's weird about asking for a ransom is actually they've put out all the information. You know, not right. all of it, but they put out a lot of it. So exactly. wh- what's the ransom going to pay for? Yeah. I'm sure maybe it was one in paragraph 86 of their ransom letter, but I, I didn't see it. I, I wasn't <laughs> it's still to... scrolling, No, by it, the way. Just it, still... it just oh, finished. It just finished on me. It? Yep, yep. <laughs> just finished. Okay, John, what's, what have you got for us this week? So apparently there's a, a company called Direct Defense, which is some kind of security research company, and they put out a blog post about some uh, investigations they've been doing into files that they found on a multi-scanning service. So it's one of these... I mean, Virus Total is the uh, the obese gorilla in the room here, there, but there's lots of these services where you basically you can upload a file and it gets scanned by multiple antivirus products to say whether or not they think it's a, a good thing or a bad thing. And this research firm has been looking at the files and they've managed to connect some files that they found to a particular security company which is called Carbon Black, mm. used to be known as Bit9, apparently. That um, They're quite well known, yeah. So part of their, their process for, for dealing with files that they find on their customers' machines, if they don't recognize them, they uh, upload them to a multi-scanning service. Hang on, hang on John, Let, let's just rewind as to exactly what they're doing here. So if they don't detect something as being malware on your computer... They take the executable file from your computer and they put it through a process whereby it gets scanned by lots of other security products, right? Yes. So I, I imagine this is probably a, a fairly standard thing these days. So pretty much any security product that you have on your machine has access to cloud-based resources back at the, the home base. So it, it'll, it'll look at a, a given file and maybe make a judgment based on local data, maybe say, oh, I don't have enough information here to make a call, so I'll call home and see if they have more data. And if the headquarters doesn't know that what, it, what it is, they might send the file up to their cloud for further analysis, which could be automated in some kind of sandbox system. It could eventually end up being a person looking at it. But in this particular product, and I would assume quite a lot of other products as well, it's being then farmed out to a third party. So the concern is then that if you if that file was to ultimately end up at somewhere like VirusTotal, one of those scanning services up in the cloud uh, via this particular vendor, then those files might be shared with other companies who use VirusTotal. And so your file, unknownst to you, could end up in all sorts of places. Whoa. Exactly, yes. They do tend to keep these things reasonably private. I know VirusTotal has a very strict privacy policy, and they, they say they only share with other security industry players for the purposes of security. But... um I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if if I was the security 
operative in a, a major corporation, I might be able to get access to VirusTotal and claiming it's for research purposes, but then I might also be able to troll through other stuff that I find in their feed, looking for interesting information on rival companies, for example, which I think is the point that Direct Defense is trying to make here. But Direct Defense are... So they're saying that they've come across these executable files, but these aren't these aren't like Word documents or spreadsheets or something. These they've looked at things like um, jar files, so uh, Android applications and things like that, which which you can just read through. And they found things like keys to cloud services like uh, oh. Amazon, AWS, Azure, Google Compute, which you could use to then access the cloud resources of that company. They found App Store keys for Google Play for the Apple App Store. They found internal usernames and passwords, information about the layout of people's networks. Gosh, wow! And I'm, of course, the end user, the 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 the, the business that is uh, employing um, antivirus company that's maybe using one of these services is none the wiser. Well, yes, that's the thing. I mean, do you do you know what happens to stuff that your antivirus product finds? Have you read the EULA in that depth? And if you're if you're an admin in a big company have you told everyone in your company what's going to happen to the files on their machines if they look interesting to an antivirus product so you're reliant on your security firm first of all you're reliant on knowing what your security firm is actually doing in terms of cloud style protection for you right and whether they are grabbing Mm. your non-detected files for further analysis and whether they're sending them off to one of these services. But you're also reliant on these cloud scanning services being very careful as to who they allow in the club. Um, And Yes, indeed. It isn't very good, John, (laughs) is it? Okay, so Bit9 slash Carbon Black, um, uh, how are they responding to this? Have they made any sort of public statement, do we know? Can you imagine? They must be running around. Yeah, but chances are that they may not be the only ones who are doing oh, no, this. Oh, no, totally. But they're the ones who are being named and shamed right now, right? So that's a hard place to be because uh, responding, saying, well, we're not alone, doesn't really fly with the media who are going to be contacting them, wanting a comment. I wonder as well whether Direct Defense um, reached out to Carbon Black in advance as well and said, hey, we're about to, <laughs> we're about to throw this enormous rock into your pond. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want some advance warning of this to protect your customers. I think... You know, reading the blog post, it sounds like they've actually reached out to some of Carbon Black's customers to tell them about it, um, stirring up things a little bit. Um, I wonder what the reaction will be from some of these malware scanning services online as well as to whether this is a legitimate use of their services. Well, I actually assumed that they contacted them directly to tell them beforehand. I actually assumed that they did proper disclosure that way with this finding. They're not saying that they have. So I think we maybe should assume that they haven't. Well, it sounds like there's going to be a bit of a bun fight in the security industry yet again. Well, the other thing is also to to think about if you're if you're writing a, a program, to think about the the data that you're putting in there and what yes. use it could be put to if yep. someone else got hold of that program. No, but you can't win. You know, you're sitting in your own office working on something and you're trying to protect yourself, so you have AV and anti malware running, and unbeknownst to you, it's being leaked out as you know as you work. On your dev product or your, you know, on your application you're working on. I think it sucks for the end user. That's what I think. If only there was some sort of independent industry organization which could sort of put together some sort of thought leadership, some standards, John, 
uh, you know, so, which maybe could show us the light of how the industry should be working. Firmly. You know, when it, you know, I don't know if you know anything like that. Maybe, maybe it's chicken farming is the future. <laughs> it's down to you. Well, we will keep our eyes peeled to see what happens next with this one. Sounds like an interesting story, and certainly, if you are a user of. Uh, one of those products which is behaving in this fashion you may want to uh, speak to your vendor and see what guidance they have as well as to how you might be able to better protect your privacy the problem is of course you may be able to better protect your privacy but at the same time you may be lessening your security because there's no doubt that sometimes these things actually will help you find more malware um, by using these services as well so turning off some of those cloud facilities may actually work to your disadvantage Carol, what have you got for us? Well, I'm on the privacy bandwagon again. So last week, a San Francisco-based mom filed a lawsuit against Disney on behalf of her kid. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the subject. So let me just give you a bit of background. So um, this mom's name is Amanda Rushing, and she's suing Disney for allegedly tracking children via its gaming apps for the purpose of future commercial exploitation. Okay, and they're doing this, according to the lawsuit, all without parental consent. She is suing on behalf of herself and all parents whose kids play Disney Princess Palace pets and 42 other Disney branded games that allegedly fail to comply with the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act or better known as COPA. Hang on a moment. I'm just uninstalling Disney Princess Palace pets from my iPhone right now. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you yeah, were a big oh, fan of it. So good. I'll tell, you. I'll tell you, as a Disney princess myself. Pets in my palace are just getting out of control. But I didn't know they were also putting my privacy at risk. I'm just going to delete them. Um, now, uh, for those who don't know, COPA is an FTC regulation, and it's pretty strict about how and when internet companies can collect data about children under 13. Basically, the gist is to halt developers and third-party advertisers from snooping on and profiting from kids, right? So it all makes sense. Now, this lawsuit is seeking an injunction to bar companies from collecting and disclosing the data without parental consent. In other words, parents should okay whether they're happy for their kids to be tracked or not. Please do. Yes, yes, please track my children. Fantastic. Yes, please monetize my child's, <laughs> my, my kid's childhood. So let me just, I just wanted to kind of give an idea to everyone out there what's actually going on. Okay, so basically the lawsuit is accusing Disney of embedding advertising specific SDKs within their apps. Advertising specific SDKs are kind of blocks of code which operate to collect a user's personal information and then track online behavior in order to facilitate behavioral advertising or marketing analysis. So this means that Disney's apps and its ad partners who it works with can track your kids' behavior while they play these online games. And they can collect critical pieces of data from the mobile device. Now, rather than using names or going after things like email addresses, they often rely on things called persistent identifiers. So this is kind of like a unique number that's linked to a specific device or player. And these persistent identifiers allow SDK providers to detect a child's activity across multiple apps and platforms on the internet, across different devices, and effectively providing a full chronology of the kids' actions across devices and apps over okay, a long okay. time. Okay, okay. So they're collecting lots of data about our kids through their use of these mobile apps. But what, what's, you know, how are they going to exploit this? What, what, what's going to happen? Well, 
the idea is that then you'd sell it to a third party, a third party um, ad right. company who would then use that to advertise to your mm. kids. Let's say, for instance, that we we agree that Disney is indeed collecting data, and that's found to be the case. Okay, this whole idea of this anonymized ID number, as opposed to identifying the actual identity of the kid, is where I think things are going to get a bit sticky. So Disney is probably going to argue that it's not compromising the child's identity, and therefore does not need to worry about COPA. The other thing that's interesting is. I wonder whether Disney's collating and parsing this data now and not planning to make use of it until the child turns 13. <laughs> right. right. Because instead of starting from zero, once they're of age, they can have this glut of user information that they've collected while they were younger, not, not used, and then kickstart the behavioral ads as soon as they turn of age. Although, how helpful is it going to be having information about what a six-year-old likes when they're 13. Yes. I hear you used to be into Cabbage Patch Kids. Do you want some now? <laughs> <laughs> but it might it might target me later on saying, you used to love Cabbage Patch Kids. Don't you want to buy one for your child now, today? Oh, I see. I see. Right? You think now they're going to wait until you're 35 well, or something like that. I do kind of think all this tracking, the whole point of it is to kind of build profiles for, for people over a long period of time. I absolutely do think that. Right. Now, look, okay, look, I'm a kid from the 80s, right? And basically every single TV show that I probably watched around the age of 10 was basically an ad targeted at kids so that I'd beg my parents for merch, you know, in the form of action heroes or plastic vehicles or trains or costumes or books or whatever. So mm -hmm. we all know that kids are big business for corporations like Disney. But I bring this all back to, aren't you sure? shocked that this might be happening without parental consent like it's kind of i can't believe that ads would not request parents saying are you okay for this oh but come on you if, if you've got a game and you're starting a game and it goes blah, 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 okay people click on okay and the kid will be getting their sticky little jam infested fingers going <laughs> click 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 because they want to go and play robot mm. wars right the, the advertisers can say hey we did ask and someone gave consent. Right. I think mm. the problem here is that there are apps being made for kids, which are just plugging in advertising SDKs, just bog standard advertising mm -hmm. SDKs, right? Mm -hmm. And those advertising SDKs as standard collecting a huge amount of information about you. What I would like to see are far more games where you can actually buy them properly. You can spend your dollar or two dollars or however much they are, and they don't come with any ads at all because yeah. the ads are irritating, the ads are tracking. Um, you know, they get in the way of the fun. And frankly, for a couple of dollars, who cares? Let's pay the money. You know what? You make a really good point because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, what's annoying about, you know, what, what the reason to get a free one is to avoid getting the annoying ads, not about the tracking of information. So people aren't thinking about that. And I, th I think that's right. I think I'd like to see rather than just parental consent, you know, in a long form and have it be item 65 amongst a whole list is it has to be explicit. And, you know, we did the whole GDPR um, podcast a while ago, but that's all about explicit consent. And I think that's what I um, would like to see here as well. But how are you going to make it? So so a 10 year old can't give consent, right? Because they're under mm -hmm. 30. Is that is that the case? Yeah. They're, yeah. So they're too young. So it needs to be something which comes up and says, hey, kids, you need to go and get a parent now <laughs> to approve this. Well, presumably you know? your Apple ID is tied to a credit card. And the Apple ID, so that's what, that maybe that's how they're getting around it. That the, Apple, well, you know, yeah, that the kid and, and, has access to the Apple ID and is allowed to buy things, you know, with just using, well, Dad, put your it, fingerprint here, it's free. There are already parental controls on, on in that case, 
iPhone devices, you know, where you can control whether your users can down, you know, whether your kids can download apps and things like that, and what apps they can install. Um, maybe that just needs to be policed a little bit more. Yeah, or if they just have a little slider in there to say they can download apps, but as long as they're not packed with nasty ads stuff. Not packed with ads, yeah. Yeah, I can just hear all the parents out there going, do you know how hard it would be, right, for my kid to come up and go, hey, Dad, can I have this game? And you have to go, no, sorry, son, you can't have that game because it's going to track you. you know, yes. Do kids even care these days? I w- I'm not sure they would care. And I have to say, that's not an argument I've yet used with my child. So yeah, no, right. there's an ad in there, which I, tra- I don't think that would wash with yeah, him. Right. <laughs> I don't know. And it, what the, I guess the sad thing for me was looking at comments on this story from different media sources. Most people are like, what a surprise they're tracking. Like, so people are so apathetic about the fact that kids are being tracked as well, which is kind of just feels a bit gross. I don't think we want our kids to be exploited through ads. I, I just think it should be completely banned on apps. But So in summary, thank you very much, Walt Disney. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you for... Nice one. Thank you, advertising SDK provider. Yeah. And um, I, I go back to my advice from earlier. If you can, buy an app and cut out all the ads. Yeah. Um, it, you know, frankly, you get enough enjoyment out of them that you'll probably get even more if you just spend $2 and don't get irritated by any ads any longer. And the other advantage is your kids won't be tempted to download other games, which are constantly being advertised midway through the game they are playing. Yeah. Just because a game is free doesn't make it safe and good. All right. Thanks very much, Carol. Let's find out who's sponsoring the show this week, shall we? And a big shout out to Recorded Future, our sponsors this week. You can sign up to their Cyber Daily newsletter and get their latest insights at recordedfuture.com slash intel. Isn't it time for Pick of the Week? It is. It's time for Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. So um, I've got my pick of the week. Here it is. Not security related this week. It is a movie. It's a movie called Adult Life Skills. Now, as you know, I am a bit, I'm a tiny, 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 tiny bit of a Doctor Who fan. And I'm slightly excited. I know I have, I've, I have never mentioned it before on the show. I'm a little bit excited that they've named the next Doctor Who and that it is a woman. <laughs> Who can imagine that? Um, and it's Jodie Whittaker. And of course, like every other Whovian out there, I'm now desperate to find out if she's any good or not. And so I've been sort of scouring the internet for things that she's been in before mm-hmm. uh, in the run-up to Regeneration. And she's in this movie. It's called Adult Life Skills. It's an offbeat British independent movie. It's northern. It's set in Yorkshire. It's sad. It's uh, got lots of scenes in a garden shed. I mean, what more could you want? It's a little bit... It's a little bit... Um, it's a little bit depressing in places, but I like a bit of depression, frankly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and her life is going nowhere and there's some, there's some death. Uh, in the family but anyway other than that <laughs> and terminal illness God, you, I, I, yeah you're a good salesman for this <laughs> no it's heartwarming listen to me it's wonderful um i saw it on amazon prime and maybe it's on other uh streaming services as well i think it came out last year and it's called adult life skills and i enjoyed it it's not as good as fleabag though <gasps> starring phoebe waller bridge who possibly should have been Doctor Who instead of Jodie Whittaker. That's what I was just going to ask you. I was just going to ask No, Fleabag is better because it's even more depressing and sad and wonderful and, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, Adult Life Skills is my Pick of the Week. Sounds delightful. John, what's your Pick of the Week? 
So I've been watching uh, a Canadian TV series the last couple of weeks. It's actually it's ah uh, Canadian. It's not uh, it's not brand new. It's actually about ten years old, but I think it's just appeared on Netflix or something. And it's um, it's rather fun. It's called Intelligence. Ah, uh, of course it is. And it's a it's a kind of cops and gangsters type show. It's a pretty it's a pretty standard formula. Our hero is a good at heart gangster guy running his business out of a, a seedy strip club as all good criminals do love it and he's up against a uh, hard as nails undercover cop lady who's running lots of informants things like that and there's a lot of uh, the politics of both the, the cops and the gangsters and how they kind of scheme against each other and things like that but it's for me. It's mainly fun for the Canadianness. I bet Canadians can be. Did you know Canadians can be fun? I've <laughs> I've always wondered. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's it's set in Vancouver, and a lot of American shows are filmed in Vancouver movies yes. as well. But this one is is kind of explicitly. It's all very Vancouvery, and they um they, every pretty much every scene features someone know, walking past a beer tap serving molson Canadian, or you know wearing a. a Canada cap or something like that. And it's also quite fun. <laughs> Make Canada great again, that sort of thing. Exactly. Reminding reminding viewers at every opportunity that this is not a US made show. We're in Canada, eh? Pretty much. Yeah. And they say, Oh, I better report that back to Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And uh, and it's but it's also fun because because they're they're selling the, the marijuana. You know, American. Sorry, what are they selling? The weed. Oh, marijuana. The, uh, the um, so American cop shows. It's always you know, it's it's heroin and cocaine, and you can get quite a lot of monetary values worth of those in quite a small space. You know, you get a, a hold all, you get a couple of kilos. You you laughing? But I've, uh, I've got a pommet of magic mushrooms here. If you like these, well, they, well these guys, it's like they're, they're shipping like two hundred pounds at a time. Oh, pounds in weight. I thought you meant... Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> this takes up a lot of space. It's like a truckload. <laughs> so our main chap, who who happens to look exactly like Willem Dafoe, that's another good thing. <laughs> There's the, look of- All the actors are like the Canadian version of someone else. And so there's a Canadian Ethan Hawke who looks uh, very seedy, but um, but yeah, our main our main guy is basically logistics. He's he runs trucking and shipping and stuff because there's just so much space needs to be taken up to do all this stuff. And then also that now nowadays it's pretty much pointless because it's all being legalized everywhere. So you're basically saying this is a serious show that was you know cops and robbers type show that has you find a comedy. Yes. Oh, yes. It does take itself very seriously, but I think that's also that's part of the fun. Right. Okay. So you're basically laughing at Canadians, is what you're saying. This is your pick of the week. I, I, I like to think I'm laughing with them. <laughs> well, thank you, John, for the pick of the week. What's your pick of the week, Carol? Well, I know that many people are going to be jetting off on planes or dashing off to the cabin or heading to the in-laws uh, during the month of August. So I thought I'd recommend some podcast to you. All so right. podcast number one I recommend is called Secrets, Crimes and Audio Tape. It's from Wondery. It's hosted by David What a Voice Reinstrom. I swear his voice is just a great for radio. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and this podcast basically dramatizes stories involving crime, politics, love, mysteries, conspiracies, the scripts are good. The sound effects are good. It's been going for about a year. So that means there's a nice little backlog for you. And it's all about celebrating the golden age of audio drama. So I love it. Check it out. I'm sure it'll make lots of people happy. 
Right. Second one um, is called Seriously. It's a BBC production. It's hosted by Ryan Dillon. Um, the website description of this is perfect. It's basically a rich selection of documentaries aimed at relentlessly curious minds. So no subject is too strange, no idea too weird. And I think that alone should entice lots of people to go listen to it. And plus, there's a huge archive there. I've listened to the Seriously podcast before. And it's, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, you like, you're right. It's a totally wide range of subjects in it isn't it you never quite know what you're going to get but it is interesting well i heartily recommend secret crimes and audio tape too graham you should check that out i think you'll like it especially the political ones thank you very much carol and um that just about is all we got time for but there's a little bit of extra business because we have opened up some new online places for you to go if you are on facebook we now have a facebook smashing security group um, and uh, you can have a look for Smashing Security on Facebook, or you can go to this link, smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook, which will take you directly there. Graham's a huge fan of Facebook, so uh, that's why he set that up. <laughs> um, we also now have an online store where you can buy things like a T-shirt for the global thermonuclear war that's about to begin. Um, so you can check out the merch at smashingsecurity.com slash store. Sorry, are you suggesting that if you get under one of the Smashing Security t-shirts, that will protect you from the nuclear fallout? Yeah, the cotton is so thick. The cotton <sighs> is so thick that you're going to be just fine wearing one of those. Do I, do I get a free one? It's <laughs> <laughs> I think five episodes. If you do five episodes, five, oh, we'll okay. talk. Okay. If you get up to five. And if you join our Facebook group as well, John. No pressure. <laughs> That's, That's outrageous. Yeah, we that, are that, not <laughs> doing that. We are not doing that. Well, look, that just about wraps it up. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, John Hawes, for joining us from AMPSO. Always a pleasure to have you here. If you like the show, tell your friends and leave us a comment on what you think. You can go to smashingsecurity.com or you can go to iTunes and uh, leave a comment there instead. Until next time, toodaloo. Bye-bye. 